Hello and welcome to the Wabi Sabi series podcast, unlikely conversations on uncomfortable topics. I'm your host, Michelle Cox, a corporate exec turned author who has recently written a series of books about topics we don't often talk about. Things like death, grief, not having kids, and the unexplained power doctors often wield over us. Apparently, some of my books have made some people feel a little uncomfortable, but I felt that I wanted to have far more conversations around weird, wonderful, and sometimes taboo topics. So I reached out to some interesting people and asked them just one question. If there is one topic that you'd love society to talk more about, what would it be and why? And what they've shared with me has been amazing. So let's dive in and see where the conversation takes us. If you actually have no idea who you are being or who you want to become, then you're always going to be faking it till you make it. And if we're faking it till we make it, we can't connect because we are always hiding something. Janine Garneau is a global thought leader on connection. She is obsessed about the power of connection and how this helps to build brilliant relationships, unlock incredible and innovative collaborations, unleash leadership potential, and ultimately help businesses make money. Over the past two decades, Janine has worked with thousands of high-profile leaders and helped countless of Australia's top 50 ASX companies and multinationals. Janine is also the best-selling author of three books. It's Who You Know, From Me To We, and her latest book, Be Brilliant, How to Lead a Life of Influence. I met Janine many years ago and was instantly struck by her no-nonsense approach to how we can be better business owners and, in fact, probably better people, I guess, if we learn how to connect more. Janine is such a wealth of information and I'm delighted to get to talk to you today. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, finally, we managed to catch up. It's been a while in the making, but I'm so excited to finally chat with you today, Michelle. I know. And the fact that we only live like a bridge across from each other and we're both in bloody lockdown, like, will this ever end? (laughs) I hope so. It's a reflection of society, though, isn't it? That we all, we think everything, we've got time on our sleeves and we think we've got control over our calendars. But in reality, life is a little bit mental. Yeah, I know. We'll we'll get there. But anyway, we're not going to talk about that crap today. We're going to talk about something far more interesting. So, Janine, if there is one thing you wish society would talk more about, what would it be? I wish that society would have a deep, honest and frank conversation about what connection with each other really means. Oh, that's beautiful. How perfect. What a great conversation to have right at this time. So why is connection so important to you? First and foremost, we appear to be more connected now than ever before. As a result of this pandemic that we're all on, we think we're connected through Zoom because of the insane amount of meetings that were on Zoom. We think we're connected because of the internet. We think we're connected because of social media and all those platforms. And yet, I think we're more disconnected than ever before. And the reason I think we're more disconnected than ever before is that as a society, we continue to have incredible amounts of conversations that are fueled with the haves and haves nots, discrimination, different cultures, different backgrounds. And as a result, the judgment that happens is that. So, uh, we're 
disconnecting ourselves from each other. I think in business, we all know that it becomes lonelier the higher up the ladder you get. And the conversations I'm having with business leaders are just that. They connected with their teams through online, but they are feeling lonely. They're feeling unsupported. They're exhausted with helping other people, but no one's connecting in with them. As business owners, we're chasing money, dollars, leads, influencers, likes on Instagram and Facebook. We're chasing numbers. And yet, We are frustrated about limiting our growth, not having support networks, not having frank and clear conversations. And then even as a community or as families, we are connected online. And yet the basics of connection as human beings, we're able to explore what's really going on. We're able to ask the questions, what's really, really going on? We're able to get curious about where people are coming from. We're able to explore what people really need. That needs connection. And I think we've lost the art of it um, in that we've replaced connection with mass numbers. We've replaced connection with Uh, throwing out information into the ether. We've replaced connection with what it looks like on a bigger scale. And actually, fundamentally, connection is about being yourself. And being yourself is about being human. And maybe if we all embraced our individuality as human beings, then actually we could connect much more deeper. And maybe through those conversations, we'd actually be able to find the answers that we're all seeking. You know, when you're talking about that being human and the authenticity, and I think it's something that's really interesting on some of the key people that I do follow online that are so randomly quirky and crazy and out there and they have, you know, millions of followers or whatever. And it's because they are genuinely being themselves. And I kind of always watch and go, geez, I wish I could be more like that. And how do you encourage people or what would your advice be for us to be more human, more authentic? You know, when we're still trying to find our way and someday, well, at the moment, we're just like flat out trying to get out of bed and (laughs) motivated to do anything. So what would your advice be for people to try and, you know, connect more, connect more? I guess I think the point is it's like almost like connecting more with yourself to then enable you to connect more with others, right? The reality is it's bloody hard. You know, I I turned 50 this year and I'm still trying to work it Woo-hoo! out. Woohoo! Ah, Look at you. Big birthday! Oh, oh, mama, amazing. <laughs> and I don't feel it, but I'm still trying to work it out. And the, the reason why it's bloody hard is because it's been beaten out of us for so freaking long. It's been beaten out of us in the schoolyard. It's been beaten out of us when we started at work. It's been beaten out of us when we look at the media. It's been beaten out of us when we look at those people online that seem to have their shit together. And, and unfortunately, we have like this thing going on for us where we're constantly comparing ourselves to others or we're worried about what other people are going to think or we're nervous about being judged. We're nervous about failing. We're nervous about showing ourselves up because every single one of us has been brought up surrounded by fit in, surrounded by conform, surrounded by do what everyone else is doing. And so it's it's really hard because actually we've got to start owning ourselves and realizing that we have everything we need to succeed. And it takes an incredible amount of bravery, of courage, of vulnerability, of realness to bring yourself out to the world. And I'm only just learning to do it now at 50, to be honest. And 
as much as we think there's some of those people online that are being re real, the question is, are they that real when they're away from their phones? And this is the challenge that we've got with some of our younger generation. I've got teenage children and I look at who they're following and you go, is that is that the truth there? Or are they equally pretending to be somebody that they think they need to be online to get those followers? So it's a huge, huge challenge. For me, what I realized is, to be honest with you, I'm fed up of faking it till I make it. I'm fed up of putting out there um, a vision of what I think I should be. For so long, I thought this is the mother I should be. This is the executive I should be. This is the boss I should be. This is the small business owner I should be. This is the author I should be. This is the keynote speaker I should be. And it's freaking exhausting trying to wear all these different mm. hats. And now Definitely. I've gone, this is me, and you either like me or don't. So what, what shifted for you, though? A lot of personal work, to be honest. I invested in myself first and foremost. I invested in coaches and mentors to really dig deep. I've been very, very, very strict on who I surround myself with. So the people in my inner circle get to know me, understand me. With that, I've learnt the hard way that I've got to ask for help and I've got to be open and honest. And that's been the biggest journey for me. It's it's about stepping away from the faking it till they make it and putting on that brave face and actually going, this is me. And sometimes yeah. I make mistakes. Sometimes I have a bad day and I feel like shit and I feel like an imposter syndrome. I don't have to be perfect. And also for me, there was a massive shift, Michelle. I went to Harvard a couple of years ago and uh, it was a res residential course. We had 60 people in the room from 22 different countries. Now imagine that one room, living, breathing, learning, challenging each other, 22 different countries. So it absolutely was diversity of thinking, of background, of culture, of religious beliefs, color of your skin, education, wealth, all jammed into this one room. And the professor that I studied under was a guy called uh, Professor Ron Heifetz, an incredible thinker. And his whole philosophy is around in this, in this world that we're now in, we have to be brave enough to have the difficult conversations. We've got to play on the edge. We've got to shake yeah. things up to allow change to happen. There was this one instance where we were talking about racism, actually, and this guy stood up and started sharing this story. I think he's probably in his mid-50s, and he share, he was sharing this story about he'd returned, he's American defence, he'd returned from serving in the Gulf, and he'd been reposted to go and help recruit new soldiers. And he turned up in this middle American town, this little white predominantly white middle American town to go and talk to this potential recruit and the door opened and the mother opened the door and said to him you can talk to my son but you'll never be allowed in my house and Ron shared this moment of for him where he had a choice because you see he'd served for the Americans out at war he said I lost friends I'd seen friends being injured. I'm stood there in my uniform. I was served to protect this country. I've got medals for my service, and yet you are judging me based on the color of my skin. He said to the lady, that's fine. 
I understand. I'll meet your son in the car. The son comes out, goes to the car. The son's so angry at his mother that Ron turns to the son and says, you're not ready to join the forces yet. And the son goes, what? And he goes, because in the army, we're taught to respect the authority. We're taught to respect rank. And at the moment, you're not respecting your mother. And so you're not right to join the forces. This is after he's just literally had his race thrown in his face. What was fascinating, though, is that probably about a year later, this young recruit got into the forces. And Ron got a phone call from the mother that literally said to Ron, I have never seen my son respect anybody as much as he respects you. I've got a lot to learn. Can you please come to my house and join me for Thanksgiving dinner? And Ron and this mother have now formed this relationship that they regularly have dinner and teach each other. And for me, what this showed is the power of connection, how when you get past your own judgment, how when you stop judging others based on your own perceptions, because every single one of us has bias, every single one of us, whether you're Mm -hmm. white, black, rich, poor, female, male, gay, straight, single mom, not, every single one of us has an internal coding and an internal bias. Connection for me is about us as humanity recognizing our internal biases and being prepared to have that bias changed, to have that judgment changed, to have the conversation that really needs to be had. And for me, it was this moment when he shared that story. I literally, in the middle of the class in Harvard, burst into tears. Something had taken over me. I literally had this moment where I lost control, tears pouring down my face, because I realized, Michelle, that my entire upbringing had been based on that bias and that for so long in my life, I'd been fighting that bias. So I grew up in the north of England. I grew up in a working class family, very poor family, in that uh, grandparents were miners. My father was a farmer. You know, it was the money under the under the bed. It was clothes made out of whatever we could do. We, money was always the conversation. Dad lost his business when uh, the salmonella thing hit in the UK. So the whole farming that he had, he lost his business. He lost everything. Grew up in a very gender-specific role, like wives, mums in the kitchen. Husbands went out to work. I can still remember as a kid at Christmas being given a nurse's outfit and the boys, I was only a girl in the family, the boys being given toy machine guns and I was forced to sit under the stairs waiting for the soldiers to come home. So in me, I constantly had this, I can do this, this is wrong, this is wrong. The other thing too is that I grew up in an environment where, you know, this is Thatcher years, right? So I grew up with the power cut off and having to cook toast in the fire because we had no power. I grew up with my parents angry at cultures coming into the country and taking jobs and this belief system about the rich South and the poor North. So I grew up with all of this stuff going in my head. I left home at 18 and I never went back. If you have a topic burning inside you that you'd love to talk more about and have a conversation with me, I'd love to hear from you. So drop me a line at hello at wabisabiseries.com. Let's head back to the chat. 
So I left home at 18, my eyes were opened up to people from, uh, from the, around the world. I couldn't afford to go to uni, but I applied to the government and they paid for me to go to uni. That was my get out of jail for free card essentially. And from that moment, the entirety of my education, starting my job, starting my career, then leaving that career to start up my first business, LBD. When I looked back, I realized that at every single point, I've been sticking up for the underdog. I would stick up for the underdog at work. I would stick up for women at work. I would stick up for small business owners. I would stick up for the bully at school. And it was this moment when Ron shared that story at Harvard where I had this almost like, whoa, that's why, Janine, you've been fighting for 48 years on all of these levels and why connection is so important to you. And that was the turning point for me, to be honest, where I went, I've got a job to do. I've literally, I've, got to, I've actually got to get it out of my own way. Because if I keep hanging on to my own voices in my head, I can't do this, I'm just Janine from England, why would anyone listen to me? If I can't shine a light on how powerful it is when we connect at such a deep level because of the conversations that we can have, because of the care and compassion that is involved, and because of, if we bring it to business, the ideas that can be generated, the clues that are given in the conversation, then I'm actually letting myself down. And so that was the biggest change for me. So in everything I do, it's all about connect, connect, connect. What's really going on? What's really being said here? What are people really feeling? What is it that we're trying mm. to do? What can you bring? What can I bring? How can we together? What's holding you back? Why are you resisting? Why are you challenging this? What about me am I throwing onto this conversation that's my judgment? And if I can teach other people to do that, whether it's, the person to the left and right of me, my kids in school, the women I get to work with, then that passes on. And that to me is how we create a ripple effect of change. Oh, clearly. And you're very, very passionate about it, which is lovely. It's just fabulous. What a great story. So, but it's, it's nice how that kind of really resonated with you and cracked that open. I'm intrigued, you know, like you started talking about doing the work on yourself and potentially doing uh, personal and professional development and then sort of starting to work on that. And then what next, right? So I, I know you wrote, I mean, you've written three books, but um, your latest book is Be Brilliant. Is that under that kind of premise as well about stepping into the light and actually being authentically who you are can you tell me a bit more about that where that came from and and why you wrote that book and what you hope that people get out of it so the first book I wrote which I wrote when I left corporate I had a 20-year corporate career running some of the world's best brands um, I was group marketing director for Oriton and for Ralph Lauren and my life was in retail selling brands essentially and the first book I wrote from me to we was about the power of collaboration there's a wonderful golden thread that will make sense in a second mm -hmm. and a lot of that came from my corporate experience of we just need to work better together because the ideas are here the innovation is within our four walls the answers are here and so that's where that book came from as a result of writing that book I actually realized that fundamentally something else has to happen first and this is surrounding yourself with the right people to unlock those collaborative opportunities 
opportunities. And I have uh, my one of my mentors, a guy called Matt Church, said to me, Jean, you've got this incredible ability to connect dots and connect people and bring out the best of people. How do you do that? And that's where the second book, It's Who You Know, came from, where it's not about masses. It's about the quality of people that you surround yourself with. And in that book, I introduced the concept of 12 key people that are going to essentially become your marketing machine, your board of advisors, your intelligence bank. And that book just went off. It's still selling like hotcakes. I love it because, again, it comes back to this people are networking. They're making it hard work. They're not connecting and bringing that inner circle together. But then I realized, having spoken to people, because people were reading the book, they were putting the theory into practice. Um, I was speaking around the world on this and working with so many organizations and how individuals can get their network to advance their careers, how as businesses we build networks to enable us to uh, get those new sales opportunities in, how we build relationships to secure ongoing business. But I realized fundamentally there was still something missing. And the thing that was missing was if you're not actually leading yourself first and foremost, if you actually have no idea who you are being or who you want to become, then you're always going to be faking it till you make it. And if we're faking it till we make it, we can't connect because we are always hiding something. So be brilliant. How to lead a life with influence was answering that question, which essentially is unless we can understand that you have everything in you right now to do absolutely everything that you want, that your story to hear is giving you the skills and the capabilities to navigate the next, that actually when you own your own imperfections and stop beating yourself up for what you don't have, and if you can accept the mistakes that you're making instead of worrying about being judged, and if you can actually start really owning yourself and bringing that person into everything that you do, how you are being, how you are talking, how you are listening, how you are engaging, then actually we can connect better. And so Be Brilliant introduces the four laws of brilliance, and it starts with owning your own individual spotlight. Until you can own yourself, you're always going to be faking it till you make it. And until you can own yourself, those imperfections, the strengths, the weaknesses, the fears, the anxieties, the worries, the losses, until you can own that, until you can do that, you cannot possibly create the environment for other people to do the same. So it starts with you. And Mm. then law two is about the connection. Law three is about making sure that you are actually functioning at your best because unless you're functioning at your best, you're no good to anybody. And then actually, finally, it's about amplifying that and doing the work that you've been put on this planet to do. Brilliant. I love it. It was such good snapshots. And um, I'll put the uh, links to your books and stuff in the show notes as well, because I'm sure from those kind of quick updates, you're going to entice a lot of people that want to read more about that. I want to understand more about those like 12 um, key people concept. I didn't know about that. So um, that intrigues me alone. A question for you. How do you deal with the critics? So you say about being yourself, you know, like don't don't worry about the, you know, the imperfections, own that all, everything else. Like have you been criticised along the way? And if so, how do you deal with that? What's your advice to people on that? I mean, if you're not being criticised, you're not making enough noise, right? Well, see, that's a good attitude to have. See, a lot of people don't see it that way. And it's even, you know, celebrities, you see, you know, they'll have five 
million like amazing responses and they always say it's the one negative thing that they just get hung up on so everyone does it it's human nature ah it is i was talking to a friend of mine kieran Uh, she's an incredible uh speaker and we were talking about this exact thing how how come when you get feedback you go yeah awesome 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 and then the one bit of negative feedback you focus on why do we do that why do we focus on it and and this is why I have clients that say to me, do you have a feedback mechanism? I go, no. I go, what? Don't you want feedback? I said, no. Nah. Why? Why not? I said, because... <laughs> Just avoid it. I do. I actually do. And that may be a bit of positive delusion. But I go, I take Brené Brown's work and I go, I'm going to take feedback from the people that have been in the arena with me. The people that will give feedback at the end are coming at it from their own space. They may not have been in the right headspace when they were listening to your keynote or at your work. They may have been forced to go to the workshop. They may have had an argument that morning. They may not be having sex. You know, whatever it is, they're just in a really shitty place. And it doesn't matter who you are, they're going to be shitty in terms of their feedback, right? Very rarely do we give great feedback. Like how many times have you picked up the phone to someone and just said thank you for Thank you for making me feel good today. Thank you for that awesome post. Thank you for that live stream that you did. It's exactly what I needed to hear. Thank you for, we don't do it, but instead we focus on the negative. So for me, what I've learned to do is, I've actually got to put my little Jetson bubble on because I'm really clear on what my work is. I'm really clear on what I'm bloody good at. I'm really clear on who I can't help. And now I go, instead of focusing on the negative, I want to find more and more people that I can help and serve because I want them to shine. If I choose to listen to the negativity, what does it do? It fuels my lack of self-belief. It fuels my imposter syndrome. It makes me feel crappy about myself. It depletes my energy. It's harder and harder to keep going. So why would I listen to that stuff? So I've got a couple of things I do. I've got a box into which I put all my awesome stuff. So in that box are emails that people have sent me, thank you cards, positive reviews, anything that feeds my ego essentially goes into that box. So when I'm having that shitty day, the box comes out and I look at it and it's about making sure I'm avoiding the generalization of negativity and actually looking at what the results are. Because we've all got good stuff, but we focus on that one bit of negative. I do give myself the time to have a you know, to join the itty bitty shitty party, that it's okay to feel that, but I'll go, I'm not going to sit in it for two weeks. I'll go, all right, today, Janine, you're allowed to feel shit, but tomorrow you're not. And so I literally time block it and I rant and I get on the phone to my inner circle and I, and I get angry and I go, what are they talking about? And then next morning I'm good because I've had it all, I've got it out my system. And the other thing I do, which I learned from an incredible woman called Sherilyn Shackles, she's uh, the CEO of a company called The Marketing Academy. She's based in London. I actually did a podcast with her and I said to her on, on my podcast to her, I said, so what are you worried about? What scares you, Sherilyn? And uh, she literally, and it was a face-to-face podcast, and she looked me in the eye and she went, I am scared of Mildred. And I went, I literally went, like, who the hell is Mildred? And she said, she said to me, she said, you know those inner voices? You know when you start listening to the itty bitty shitty party? You know when the negative appears? She said, for me, I've named that, and it's Mildred and Orangutan. 
And she said, I'm about to go out and speak, or I'm about to do an interview, or I'm about to publish something. And Mildred appears. It's like, you're not good enough. You can't do this. I went, and I said, tell me more. She said, well, I just go, shut up, Mildred. And she literally goes, shut up, Mildred. I'm okay. Stop trying to make me feel crappy about myself. I mean, there's there's genius in it and there's science behind it in that if we can detach ourselves from that inner voice, mm-hmm. then we have the reality check. So my third thing I do is I've got my name. I've got a little green frog that sits on my shoulder called Fred and I literally tell Fred to F off. It's like, go away. I'm good. Look at all this. I'm fine. And I have these crazy little conversations because... You're not serving anyone. You're not connecting with anyone if you're listening to that one bit of negativity that you've got no idea where it really came from. If you listen to that, it stops you. It keeps you in your comfort zone. It stops you from trying other stuff. And that stops you from serving your clients, your team, your family, the community you want to help. So I go, take advice from people that have been in your shoes, from people that have already been there, from people that are actually qualified to give you the feedback. Listen to them. And they'll never give it negatively because it's always constructive. They're going to say, Janine, I reckon you could do this better. And that's who I listen to. I don't listen to the itty bitty shitty party. I will, if someone that is negative about me on social media, delete. Not interested, mm. go away. You're not part of my crowd, my crowd, my tribe. I'd much rather surround myself with awesome people. We have such little energy to give each day. I want to feed that energy with positive. I don't need negative in my world. What, what a way to come full circle, Janine. It's been fabulous to talk to you today. There's so many words of wisdom in there. And, uh, you know, we've, we've, got, we've got to the end of this way too quickly. There's too many questions I had for you. So I might have to do another um, follow-up podcast with you, another interview. But thank you very much. You are so – you've got so much – like so many interesting things that you can provide in this so uh, people can connect with you in lots of different ways you do a wonderful um, elevate uh, six-month program even that people can be a part of as well can't they for business owners and i'll put a link to that as well in the network is that does that can people join that any time or is that a particular um we have intakes at the moment uh, every six weeks. So the best thing do, to do is to okay. reach out. Um, really happy to tell you about it. And if it's a fit, awesome. If it's not, I will absolutely introduce you to someone who's a better fit because it's all about connection. And ultimately, I go, people that have reached out have shown that they want to grow, improve, and break through those plateaus. So we've got to work together. Um, togetherness is the only thing that will ever drive change. And so anyone that connects with me, my intention is to serve them either myself or to get them help them find other people love it so beautiful well done with all the work you're doing and uh, i love your stuff on social media just to let you know (laughs) so i will continue to keep following you and i'll provide you more positive feedback as well thanks janine it's been fabulous to chat today thank you michelle it's been awesome if you'd like to learn more about today's guest you'll find all the show notes and interesting links on our website wabisabiseries.com. If you'd like to hear more unexpected conversations, please subscribe to the series, follow us on our socials, or grab one of my books. And if you're in a generous mood, I'd love you to share the episode, or maybe even rate, review, and comment on the series. It really does make a difference. Until next time, be sure to claim your own piece of Wabi Sabi, and walk proud in your perfect imperfection.